Okay, so Love Buffalo. Uh, I really love the Love Buffalo event, and uh, not because of all the quality sleep that we get, or not because of the way that the van smells by the end of the second day. Uh, I love it for the opportunities that it affords our students to serve and to find ways to interact with other people in different generations and different cultures and to show love in concrete ways and to connect our faith very intentionally with our actions. We love others out of gratitude for Christ's love for us and what he's done for us. And you can be very proud of your students. They worked hard in the hot sun. You guys that are here, stand up. Where are you? You love Buffalo people. Go ahead. Stand right up. Be bold. Yeah, they did a great job. They're not all here, but they're... There's one way up in the balcony, too. Thank you. They worked really hard, without complaining, doing a difficult, messy, and not always super safe job. They were polite and respectful to people and full of joy. At times, they were singing on the, while they worked, and, and people commented on it. The hotel staff, the project managers, the homeowners, uh, neighbors, they all commented on these things with regard to our students, and I was very proud of how they did. We worked alongside a group called 716 Ministries, which used to be Westside Ministries. I know many of you are familiar with that. They're kind of expanding their scope. And in conjunction with a new church on the east side called City Reach, it's right off the 33 on Eggert Road, and it was at that church that we held our, uh, we were kind of based out of there. We had our meals there. We, we held our rallies there each night. And so those groups identified a homeowner in the city and, uh, who needed help, and we scraped and painted the house in four days. Uh, when we arrived, we realized quickly that the home that we were working on had no connected utilities. There's no electricity or water or, or uh, gas in the house, and so we had to borrow the water and electricity we needed from the neighbors. And at the end of the project, when we presented a Bible to the homeowner and we prayed with her, she was very grateful, and she talked about what a blessing it was not only to have work done on her house and repairs made, but also to have been around our students as they were working. And, you know, she could hear them inside there working away and talking and just uh, singing and having fun. And so it was a blessing to her. And our students could tell you more stories uh, about the homeowner's grandson who worked alongside us for a little bit and, and about a neighbor kid who hung out with us a little bit and helped and, and wanted us to come over to his house next and build him a wrestling ring <laughs> out in his backyard. And so they could give you all kinds of stories about him. But a few weeks before the event, the organizers called me and asked me to speak at one of the rallies there. We had four rallies and they gave us the theme verse for the week and each of us as speakers, had a little bit different direction to go with that verse. And our theme verse for this year was John 14, 12. And Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. I have to tell you, this verse gave me a lot of trouble. The same works as Jesus... Greater works? I mean, did Jesus really think that statement through before he made it? In the book of John alone, he does things like turn water into wine. He healed people, right? 
He healed blind people. He fed thousands of people with uh, one happy meal. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. Greater works? I'm not sure I can even picture what greater works look like. It's difficult to understand, and, I, and I'm sure I don't have it completely nailed down. But this morning, I just want to share with you a little bit about what the Lord has been teaching me over the last several weeks as I've been kind of immersing myself in this scripture. So in John 14, Jesus is saying goodbye. In chapter 13, Jesus and the disciples have had their last supper. The meal has been eaten, and it's a solemn moment, but Jesus begins to act strangely from the disciples' perspective. He washes their feet, which is just not usual, right? He's the leader. He shouldn't be doing that. And you get the sense that the disciples feel like this is getting weird. Something is not right. And he starts talking about going away to a place that the disciples can't follow. And he says something along the lines of, you know, you guys really need to take care of each other now. Love each other. And Peter famously says, why can I not follow you now? I would die for you. And Jesus responds, Peter, even before the day is out, you're going to deny me three times. The disciples must be feeling like something is going terribly wrong. Three years ago, right, they left homes and businesses and families to follow Jesus. They've already burnt the boats, as Mike said last week. They've spent the last three years following Jesus around, becoming more and more convinced That he is the Messiah. It's really him. He has the words of life. And only a week ago at the triumphal entry, they must have been thinking, this is it. He is the Messiah. And he's going to take over and he's going to fix everything. Israel will be restored to her rightful place in the world. He will sit on the high throne and we will sit on thrones beside him and will rule the world. But now... Jesus is leaving? What's that about? In chapter 14, Jesus even mentions his own death. And so now the disciples are facing this prospect of life without Jesus, of being alone in the world, orphaned as it were. They're feeling unsettled and worried and afraid. And so as Jesus continues the conversation here in chapter 14, his purpose is to reassure his disciples, to reassure them and to equip them for the kingdom work that he's calling them to do. And his words come initially as a life-giving breath of air, right? He says, don't let your heart be troubled. And in verse 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and of heart. Don't be troubled or afraid. And this admonition to trust, to be at peace, I believe it has a couple of different aims. And the first I would describe as sort of a a defensive kind of element, right? Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm leaving. Some of the days ahead are going to be painful. The world is full of darkness and difficult situations. The limitations and realities of human existence can be very depressing. They can make us worry. They can make us afraid. A difficult diagnosis. A damaged relationship. Addictions, loneliness, uncertainty. We've heard recently of these you know, horrific terror attacks and there are wars and natural disasters and, and poverty and, and politics. 
Whatever you're facing, Jesus says, trust me. And of course, the value in that statement is in the one making it, right? I mean, I can, I can reassure you. I can say, hey, it's going to be okay, but, you know, I, I'm just, just a guy. I don't have any, any pull, any, any sway over what happens. I'm not always able to deliver on my promises despite my best intentions, right? But this is Jesus. He's God in the flesh. And the Apostle John goes to great lengths in this passage to demonstrate this fact. He records several times in the chapter Jesus explicitly saying or implying that he is God. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. My Father who lives in me and does his work in me. And this is who's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. The creator of the, the, creator of the universe says to us, trust in me. God is in control. And, and that's sort of the defensive aspect of the message. Jesus says, things are going to be rough, but trust me. But this statement is not only about being protected from the world. I believe that there's also sort of an offensive element here. Jesus is leaving his disciples with a mission. He has a job for them. Jesus came to earth to inaugurate or to set in motion his kingdom here. And he's saying to those who would follow him, don't be afraid to risk. I'm going to ask some difficult things of you. Have courage. To advance my kingdom, you'll be going into some dark places. In fact, if you follow me, you will accomplish all the things I have done and even greater things. I think there are two elements in this passage that make such a crazy claim possible. The gift of the Holy Spirit and an obedient heart. Jesus tells his disciples, I won't leave you alone like orphans in the world. That's verse 18. When I'm gone, the Father will send to you the Holy Spirit. You know, he lives with you now. And then he will indwell you. He will never leave you. He will lead you into all truth and teach you everything. If you love me, obey him. Twice in this passage, verse 16 and verse 26, Jesus describes the gift of the Holy Spirit. And three times he says, those who love me will obey me. Now this year at at Love Buffalo, they gave me a new title and a t-shirt. Project manager. This is, it's a pretty big deal, really. Uh, Project manager, yeah. And so at each site, and I think there were nine different sites this year, I found out at the end, uh, they have a project manager. And the project manager's job is not to work. Oh, no. We have worker bees and peons for that, all right? So the project manager's job is to step back from the big, larger project and to kind of keep that bird's eye view, take into account all the resources that we have available, the people, the time, and apply those things to the project in order that you can get it done, right? And now it's easy if you're one of the little worker bees to... Be very focused on your particular section, right? You're, you're in one section of the house and you're all day spending scraping and painting that one little section and you don't see the greater work that's being accomplished. 
And it's hard to keep that. You may never see the big picture in that instance. And you see where I'm going with this, right? I think often when we think about God's will for our lives, we think sort of big picture stuff like uh, a spouse or a career or a major life change or a change in direction. But I think what God has been teaching me is that as I'm able to be aware of and obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading, moment by moment, He has the big picture in mind, right? He's accomplishing the greater work in the world. My role is to say to Jesus, you know, uh, what do you want me to do between now and lunch, right? I just want to be obedient each moment, each step, every decision. And if I can do that, and you can do that, and every follower of Jesus does that everywhere around the world, if we all follow the promptings of the indwelling Holy Spirit who lives inside us about the person or the decision or the situation that's right in front of us, and we're obedient, each of us focusing on our own little area, God is accomplishing great works throughout the world. Fantastic, unimaginable works. Prayers are answered in miraculous ways and people are led to the Father. God is glorified and his kingdom on earth is advanced. And I think it's probable, you know, that from our perspective, we may never here on earth see the entirety of the things being done for God's kingdom. Our perspective is just too narrow, but our role is to just obey. All who love me will do what I say. I I grew up in a tradition that didn't do a lot of liturgy or symbolism in their services. And so I have grown to love some of the things that we do here as a church. And we saw one of those demonstrated this morning when Lily came in with the flame and lit these two candles here on the communion table. And I, I just love this image. For me, it's a vivid reminder that when we gather together for worship, for prayer, to read the scriptures, to hear the word preached, God is among us. His presence is here. And of course, we not only celebrate God's presence with us, but the light reminds us of the salvation that God's presence brings. And as light is a revealing agent, so the flame reminds us that God is revealing himself to us here today. But the light doesn't stay here, does it? In a few minutes, Lily will be back and take the flame back out of the church. Reminding us again that Jesus has given us as his followers an impossible mission. To carry that light into the world. Greater works. The good news is that to live a life of peace and courage and to fulfill the purpose that God has designed for us. We need only to listen to the Holy Spirit as he directs. To be attentive, moment by moment, to his leading and to obey. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would enable us to listen each moment to what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.